Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Mike and Wade um, here under quarantine. Uh, I would say huddled together, but we are social distancing. We are far enough apart. Thank you to the uh, the wonderful long cords we have for our uh, Zoom recording thing, uh, whatever you call it. The H6, I think, Mike. I think that's what you call it. And uh, Mike's ignoring me. Mike is uh, looking at his Bible. Looks very pious, very good. Um, wearing a red varsity hockey shirt that says 1908. I've been meaning to ask Mike, why 1908? I don't know. This was just a sh- I've had this shirt since I was like in high school. Is that probably. like when hockey started or something? I have no idea. Okay. I'm going to Google that if there's a lull in this episode. But we are gathering here to continue our... Oh, you're going to Google it? And I'm like, <laughs> nice. Um, to continue our COVID-19 online learning sessions for Wisconsin Lutheran College. This is for Theology 235, which is Romans. So students, if you are listening to this, and I'll know if you listen to it because I won't get an email um, asking about what I'm about to explain right now. You have had Romans 8 and 9 on the YouTube channel, multiple uh, cha- multiple vi- videos on Chapter 8, one on Chapter 9, and then Mike and I, uh, since Mike has graciously offered to join me, have now done podcast, podcast sessions on 10, 11, 12, and 13. Or maybe, no, I think I maybe did a video on 10. So it's video for 8, 9, and 10. Mike and I have done 11, 12, and 13, and now we are on Romans 14 as we continue in this chapter, and as uh, we've said in a previous podcast session with chapter 12, we have this shift to the Christian life, and yet Paul keeps reminding them that this is rooted in Christ. He's going to keep going back to how this is rooted in Christ and by grace and through faith, but he's made this shift to what it looks like to live together Um, specifically as brothers and sisters in a Christian congregation, as it was in Rome. Uh, This was a congregation he hadn't founded that he was not uh, personally familiar with. Um, But he's giving them the the broad outlines of what it means to live together in a Christian congregation, surely informed by issues he had faced in other congregations. We see issues from Galatia, from um, the the Corinthians that that come up here. (coughs) Excuse me. And so... Um, Chapter 14 is going to deal especially with the weak brother or sister. And Micah, you you got a minute or did you find it? Well, I think it's just random. The only 1908 was the beginning of the International Ice Hockey Federation, but that wouldn't be college. So I think it's just random. I was just curious. Um, Maybe before we get into the verses themselves, uh, and and we will kind of go through section by section, but Mike, uh, you hear the word weak brother, weak sister. At least amongst pastors, it comes up a lot in casuistry, right? When you're dealing with the weak brother or the weak sister. Um, what do you usually understand that to be when we say someone is a weak brother or a weak sister? So we don't necess- we don't want to say, oh, they have a weak faith in the sense like like they're somehow less saved than the other person. We don't we don't mean that. So it's it's not talking about saving faith. Yeah, what we're talking about is somebody who maybe. Um, gets offended by certain things. And not necessarily offended like triggered, but offended like a stumbling block for their faith. Yeah, so uh, let me just kind of give maybe maybe a situation here. If where... they're triggered, they're not the weak brother or sister. If they're, if they're posting a Twitter rant about it, right? Um, 
then they're actually not the weak brother or sister at all. They're they're trying to yeah, we impose should, their will on another. We should, we should. I think this is very important to later talk about. Some people kind of pose as weak yeah. when they're actually they're actually shouldn't be. They're weak in a different. It's sense. like filibustering in the church. Yeah. So let, let's just say you come to uh, church and uh, this nice old couple has always done things has always seen things done in a certain way. What's their names? Right. So Mildred and Frank. Okay. Mildred and Frank. Um, you like Frank. Frank was the alcoholic. Yeah, I like Frank. I go, I usually name. go, I'll go Gertrude, Myrtle, Mildred, or Frank when I talk about like I use Mildred and person, Apple a lot, yeah. Like when someone's old. So Mildred and Frank, um, and they built the church. Great couple. I mean, they are, and they sit in the front pew, not because they're pious, because they know everybody wants to sit in the in the back. Right. I mean, they're just very thoughtful. So, they're, they're just solid, what we call solid people. Yeah. And they have noticed that uh, Frank always wears a tie, like with the liturgical well, I was just, color for the I was season. just going to say that and a suit coat and like back in the, back in the fifties yeah. fedora, you know, nice. that he would take off for, yeah. for church or whatever. And he notices that kind of the younger generation, they come in with like jeans and shorts and stuff like that. And He's he and I think rightfully sees there's there's something le, some they're losing some reverence kind of there right, but he doesn't see it as okay they're losing reverence for actually what's happening here. He's just kind of that old guy who says these young whippersnappers. Is or Mildred whatever. getting worked up yeah. too, or is she kind of telling him like Frank, calm down? She will back him as a as you know they they have but done in there. She wants him not to yeah, get so she be, she kind of roll, would she roll her, her eyes, yeah, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and so, um, you know, you may say that this 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 person is weak. Like this doesn't really matter. That, but they're becoming kind of weak in this situation, and so we may kind of encourage. Uh, let's say the pastor's kid. Uh, one of the pastor's kids is a teenage girl and she's got a very nice dress that she wants to wear. It's super fashionable, but probably is something that you would wear to um, a beach party and maybe not to church. And so maybe the pastor says, I know it's not fair that you would be judged by these clothes, but for church, let's consider the weak brothers and sisters. They're not used to this. And, and when they see that, they automatically go to maybe an unfair situation where this is an oversex society and, you know, uh, uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And so I may, I may say to other people, let's just be sensitive to the people who are weak in this. They, they, they easily get like offended. Like the pastor's son is wearing sandals. Yeah. Something like that. And, you know, people think of sandals as being, you know, I'm on the beach or on a hike, right. but not in church. And so. So now how do you deal with the weak person? You may say out of love, I am going to go way out of my way not to offend this person. But if this weak person was always offended and I had a, I had a great pastoral friend, a mentor of mine, uh, Keith Schreiner. Oh, I thought you were going to say me. Nope. Uh, so kind of a mentor, like an older, older guy. Huh. And he said, always taking offense is giving offense, right? So that weak person can then start acting like they're strong and putting down laws. And you're kind of bullying through you're, your Now you're weakness. bullying. Just because you're offended, now you start bullying people. And, and I think we kind of see that in our society right now a little bit. And then Frank goes to pastor and says, 
Pastor, we shouldn't be letting people come yep. to church with this. Yep. And, and the pastor. Well, now you've clearly lost sight of, you want them to hear the gospel. And so the pastor is going to play this as a weak brother. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to work this out, but he also is not going to announce to the congregation, Frank and Mildred are upset. So please do this because that would hurt Frank and Mildred and everybody. So what he may get to the point where he's got to sit down Frank and say, here's the deal, buddy. Yeah. And you then know. if I were the pastor, you know what I would wear the next Sunday? Sandals. No, I would wear my daughter's sundress. <laughs> that would be wrong. That huh? would that would be that would be offending. Solidarity. That would be offending. What am I doing right now, Mike? I'm raised <laughs> Holding fist. up your fist. Yeah. That would be a misuse of the situation. Uh, I feel like I'd be a good object lesson. So, um, I'd wear it under my all for Saint Paul. <laughs> for Saint Paul, um, the usual example is um, eating meat to an idol. Um, do I follow the Old Testament dietary laws, those kinds of things. And, and let's just, just paint a picture here because we can very easily say, oh, those people are just old fashioned or whatever. And they're being sticks in the mud. And the danger is to imply that you're going to hell if you wore that or if you ate that. So we want to, we, we want to make sure that that gets squashed. Um, and that may mean if someone's stubborn, like if Frank is being super stuttering about sandals, then maybe you would wear sandals just a solidarity. Now, especially if they match the sandals. Yeah. However, let's paint a picture here. You are um, an older Jewish couple in Rome that have seen persecution. What are our names? Yeah, boy, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew that. I, How about know. we just give them Old Testament? We say uh, it's um, Hannah, Isaac it's and uh, Isaac Hannah. Isaac and Hannah. All right. So, um, and they have been faithful in, in welcoming Gentiles into the congregation. Um, but they have been taught culturally and also religiously and theologically that bacon's bad. And the smell of bacon is kind of abhorrent to them. And so we may, as they've, a congregation, they've been raised say, for fifty years for that smell to be associated with uncleanness. Right. And so, when we're going to have the local potluck at the congregation, I'm going to tell the Gentiles, like, just so we don't have any troubles, Maybe just chill on the bacon. We're going to just do kosher, right? You're at home, you have bacon. If you're going to invite Hannah and Isaac you over gonna, to your okay, house, just a little side note, Mike. If you're going to do the kosher. What would be your your go-to kosher things that you would like to see at the potluck? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with pickles, kosher pickles. Hebrew hot dogs. Yeah, Hebrew Franks. Hebrew Official Franks. hot dog of the Detroit Tigers yeah. for quite a while. So um, there's plenty. Lamb. And, and notice. Some, maybe and, some rice pilaf. And notice, and this is a good point, notice that you can still have a very good meal. It's not like you are yeah. being robbed of something. Bagels. And if Isaac and Hannah are going to come over for meal at, at Cornelius's house, Flavia, Flavia's and Cornelius's house, these Roman Gentiles, you know, out of love, you're not going to serve pulled pork, right? You're going to have some honey. And, and to, to put this into, to put this into our day, day to day, we did talk about this a little bit. I can't remember for what class, but imagine you go to, to the cafeteria and they're like, here's the deal. We're not, we're not no more hamburger or pizza. We're going to eat horse and dog because we have certain people from cultures that who is there. Unpleasant. That would be, that would, and, and that would be important to you. Right. And that you're supposed to sit next to somebody and not be offended by that. That would be very difficult. And so out of love, you know, maybe the 
WLC cafeteria staff says, you know, over here is going to be for a while, over here is going to be this meal, over here is going to be this, this meal, and we don't want to separate it, but out of love for a time being, we want to do this until we kind of get over this, until the next generation comes or whatever. So it can be, it, it's not, it's not something that we should look at and say, this is stupid and be flippant about this. I mean, this would have been a very, there are some uh, serious issues. There are some like vegetarians that will make the argument that it actually be better for the environment if we ate dogs and cats and pets, because it'd be less of a, a carbon and, footprint and, and, and we wouldn't have to euthanize them. Yeah. I mean, we're putting them to death anyways. And, the, and, the, and I'm the, not for that. Right. And the point I just, is, I read that the other day. And the the point is that it's cultural, that you can make an argument for, I mean, but you like, shouldn't eat them. Right. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's cultural, but you still, and you got really shouldn't eat them. like, we eat hamburger where other cultures that would be, that would be a sacred thing that you would not do beef, you know? I just want to make sure that. Wade is not for eating dog and You're horse. not for it, right? I'm not for it either. Okay. What That's I, just what I want to... What I'm saying is I don't think I would have the right to say to a different culture mm. and talk about their dietary I would loss. I say it, but you know? still probably say maybe don't eat those. <laughs> so, um, but the point is that it's not something that we should look at and make jokes about because it would have been a real deal for, for these Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians trying to put together these two cultures and where here's the point Hannah and Isaac cannot say eating bacon sends you to hell we gotta we gotta say that we gotta we gotta call them out on the carpet for and if that. they said that then but, we're gonna serve bacon right and and make the point that if it gets to that point we have to show that solidarity but if they're being weak so notice the difference between weak and being obstinate Mm-hmm. being false doctrine but we're weak i'm going to say to cornelius and flavia you know what out of love let's be sensitive to them and then if if mildred and frank are coming we should probably all dress up but mildred and Fl- they're they're american so it's you know they're not going to be in rome at this time yeah so maybe just to hit on the the weak and strong faith thing too what we're talking about then is it's things regarding specific faith <clears throat> So specific faith regarding specific doctrines or practices. So not saving faith. Um, this is not weak faith. Um, we don't measure saving faith, right? The bruised reed, God will not break. The smoldering wick, he'll not extinguish. Um, and probably here, maybe specific faith regarding our, our freedom in Christ. So with that, we'll make our way into Romans 14. And uh, Paul begins it with, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And the idea of welcome him there is to welcome them into one's fellowship, basically, to to welcome them into the, the life of the church and into the koinonia. Um, but what about that part there, Mike, but not to quarrel over opinions? You know, uh, we theologians are really good at this, right? Was it, was it, wasn't it like to talk about the rabies theology, yeah. the rabies of the theologians? And sometimes it's beneficial to like talk something out and, you know, some one man's gadfly is another man's reformer. And so we need to be careful and listen to everybody. But we can try to justify ourselves. This is how pastors try to justify them. One way pastors try to justify themselves is they'll get on a hobby horse about one thing. Yep. And uh, and I don't want to say, oh, this is essential and this isn't essential because that can be... Kind That's of one of my favorite gifs, though, is the beating a dead horse gif. 
that's really an effective one to use when some guy keeps holding four yeah. events. And and uh, it can be difficult because I think you got to. I, I may say, I've heard people say, well, the only difference between Lutherans and Baptists is is just this holy communion thing. Well, you keep pulling that string and it has to do with Christology. So I, some people may say that's not essential why you're getting worked up about it. So I want to be careful there. But I think you can tell. We're talking about things very, where there's freedom. Very quickly that they are going to, that, that they are trying to justify themselves by being, I'm a better theologian. And you got to point out this something is not, we have freedom here. And when, when you cross that line, when you start calling people not Christian or maybe not Methodist or not Lutheran, depending on your denomination. Or even getting to the point of saying, this is not the church for me because of this thing that there clearly is freedom in that you yep. just have picked up on as your pet project. And we can go down a list of all sorts of, of goofy things, right? So uh, the, the point is when you start when you start crossing that line where you take away people's freedom in non non biblically mandated things, you gotta be very careful. Now with that said, that doesn't that's shouldn't be a trump card. Right. Where you say, Uh, oh, well that's stupid and um, that's not essential and so I'm not gonna have a conversation about what is wise, right? So everything is permissible permissible, but not everything is wise. Right. And and when we're talking adiaphora, things where there's freedom, uh, this is where discussion should be had. But notice that this quarreling type thing so let's say Mike and I are both on the uh, the church council. We're just we're lay people. We're on the church council, and the church is deciding what to do with their new flooring. And uh, I think both of us don't like carpet in church. Is we that know true? we know what the right thing okay. is. But um, for this debate, I'm going to make Mike pro carpet because okay. I just don't want to be pro carpet. Um, if either of us, because of this um, discussion over should we get carpet or not, are at the point of leaving the church over it we're probably we've passed into quarreling over opinions is that mm -hmm. fair to say mike yeah, yeah like i i would fight strong for uh you know let's imagine that i'm not on the carpet side i would fight strong for this acoustically worship this is good even if it costs more money but if i but if or in your situation you lose the carpet battle Okay, so now I'm the pro-carpet guy? No, I'll be pro. I'll go back. Oh, but I was going to make an argument. So okay. I'll be pro-carpet. Okay. Um, we're in the Midwest. It gets cold. People have snow on their shoes. Old people might slip and break a hip. Mm. Um, it's cheaper. On the wood floor, the carpet is is cheaper. Uh, it adds flavor. We could get an awesome red color. Yep. Yep. And let's say you win out. Should I pout and leave? I would hope not. I'd I miss would hope you. not, right? I mean, that would be what we're talking about yeah. here. Uh, now, it can get serious more than carpet, and right, it can get it can get into things that are doctrinal. Um, you know, like I I think that we should have the uh, baptismal font at at the back instead of putting it into the corner. And maybe you're like, well, we don't have room back there or whatever. And we have a theological discussion about the importance of baptism. But if we both agree that it's important. Um, and uh, one side wins the other, the other shouldn't leave. Yeah, so, all right. Um, and so there's going to be certain things that Paul uses to illustrate this. One is uh, eating things, right? What it's per per permissible to eat or not eat. And we see this come up in Paul's other letters as well. So he knows congregations have debated this, so he brings this up with them. <clears throat> um, 
how which which days one esteems, so which festivals they're going to celebrate or or mark. Um, for example, uh, the um, these are just examples he's going to give. But then he says, "Who are you to pass judgment on this um, on the servant of another? Uh, it is before his own master that he stands or falls." <clears throat> so in these areas, one's conscience, um, hopefully rightly formed. Um, leads them to do before God what they think is right. And so we ought to respect that in each other um, and, and not pass judgment. And here passing judgment means assuming one can't be right with God because he's eating only vegetables or because he's eating meat that's been sacrificed to animals. Um, and so I think an important verse that, that comes out then is verse 7 where Paul says, For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. And here, I think this is, Mike, you talk about a lot with vocation as well. Um, We don't live to ourselves or die to ourselves horizontally. We're part of a community of faith. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But but also, we live and die to the Lord. So Paul says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both... uh, Lord of both the dead and the living. And so here we remember, we're reminded our connection is what's brought us together is Christ, who is Lord. And so when Christ is Lord, my life horizontally is shaped by that, right? I'm going to see my brother or sister in Christ, um, and I'm going to recognize that I will have to live with them. Think of Bonhoeffer's life together, right? This is a cruciform life, um, and we, we sometimes have to put each other first. But then we get to um, kind of this weak brother abusing it in verse 13, where Paul says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way um, of a brother. I know I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. And maybe here we can talk about conscience. You know, it's... um, Often said that Luther said, and I haven't looked it up to see if Luther really said it, um, but I think it can be a helpful saying, to sin against conscience is always a sin. What, um, maybe Mike, you can unpack a little bit. What is the place of conscience? What do we mean by following conscience? Uh, is, is every conscience automatically right? Mm-hmm. Um, how does our conscience relate us to God? So the goal is a good conscience before God, right? A clear conscience before God. And, uh, that's not going to happen without Christ cleansing us, right? So the point is then after I am justified and I go out and I want to live this life here and there are situations where maybe I got two things going on here, right? Where I got maybe two laws that are pitted against each other. Um, and he, God, I think, wants you, he, God, put his, God put his law in your conscience. And so I think the initial, the initial impulse is to follow your conscience. That's usually good. And, and this is where conscience relates to God. Sorry for interrupting. I'll yeah. let you keep going. But it's God who mm-hmm. has written his law on our hearts. So conscience is one of the things when we talk about natural law that tells us there is a God, mm-hmm. right? That there's a referee if there's rules. And so that's how the vertical comes in. Sorry, but keep, keep yeah, going. Yeah, so the initial impulse should be to follow your conscience because... God placed it there. And this is one of the places where he wrote his law. But God's 
complete law not messed up by us and our consciences, whether it be dulled or it can be heightened conscience in certain places where I'm trying to be super righteous. Um, you have to let the word of God look over the conscience. So let's say somebody right now in this COVID-19 scare, their conscience is telling them, I must meet as a church. I'm sure a lot of pastors say, I must meet at the church. And, and maybe they have a, a civic conscience too, that uh, we have the right to gather. And this is a, this is a, they may have convinced themselves that this is something that is um, anti-religion. So the state is curving uh, religious activity or whatever. And they, and they feel conscience bound to do this. They should, however, check themselves. And that may be just a, a, a passionate thing rather than a conscience and listen to the word of God, listen to their brothers in the, in the ministry, listen to their, their flock, listen to the rightfully appointed government officials, right? And I'm not saying that they go against their conscience, but they can get, they say, this bothers me. However, uh, I've thought this through a little bit and, and I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do this. And this is where I think it's very helpful. And this is what say, I mean by a rightly formed conscience. Yeah. It's subject to the word of God and reason. So follow your conscience, but rather follow the word of God ultimately. And then say, Lord, have mercy. Right. You know, so go out there, say, Lord, have mercy after you make your decision. Yeah. Um, and know And know that God will forgive you. Right. So that's finally how you're going to get a clear conscience, not because you're going to look back and say, I should have done that. You're going to get a clear conscience because it is absolved by Christ. And I think in this connection, too, it's maybe helpful to point out um, being a weak brother or sister should not be a long term goal. The idea of being patient with a weak brother or sister is giving them time to grow. Right. So um, this is not meant to be a perpetual state. You felt. You follow your conscience, but you're also then willing to listen, willing to be instru- instructed. And it should burden to, your conscience if you're not listening. Yeah. Right. Willing to be subject to the word of God and willing to remember that your neighbor, your brother or sister is your brother or sister in Christ. So there should be a, a, a patience that we have with each other, but at the same time, a willing. And that can be on the flip side, too. Perhaps the one who thinks he's the strong brother or sister has actually crossed from uh, freedom into libertinism, right? And he or she may need to be corrected as well. And so here's a thing. Um, I've written a lot on adiaphora. It's a pet subject of mine. And the adiaphoristic controversy that broke out after Luther's death. And one of the things that the, um, the man I study a lot who's written about this, the Flatius says is, um, a word that comes up a lot is edification, right? So in free things, in adiaphora, one of the things is, do they edify? Does how they're being used edify? And so Paul brings us out when he says, verse 18, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. In other words, you're in Christ, and we just talked about in Christ for one of Mike's 105 uh, sessions, but if you're in Christ, you're good, right? You're acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace, so maybe Mike and I, whichever one of us lost the carpet debate, we, okay, it's in the past, and mutual upbuilding. What's going to build up the body of Christ? And here is this horizontal orientation where I'm thinking about my neighbor's good as well. And so Paul can say in 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. When these debates or when my approach to these things, when I am losing sleep, when I am 
uncomfortable in the presence of my brothers and sisters when the, the, the church of true believers is becoming smaller and smaller in my eyes over some practice or thing in which God has granted freedom. <clears throat> so it's gone from simply let's have constructive discussions to I just, I cannot stomach things not being how I want them on this. Well, then you're destroying the work of God. How? You're acting and living as Christ, as if Christ has not come and died for you and has not come and died for your brother or sister to give us freedom. Um, you are now turning this issue that you are the weak brother or sister on into self-justification. You have moved from living in the justification that Christ declares our own and you are now trying to justify yourself or condemn your neighbor and this is where we go back to Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you're now trying to justify yourself as if Christ has not justified you. And you are condemning your neighbor as if Christ has not justified her or him over something that God has declared freedom in food or, or dress. And this becomes problematic. Um, and so Paul's going to wrap it up um, in the last two verses and say, uh, Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So if it's in the realm of freedom, we're free to approve. If it's not in the realm of freedom, we ought not approve. Uh, but whoever has doubts, if he is condemned, if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. So Mike, you've got to make your own decision on bacon. I have to make my own decision on bacon. Uh, and why is this? And Paul's going to take it all back to, to where he centers the epistle, the thesis statement, Romans 1.17, the just or the righteous will live by faith. And Paul says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. <clears throat> when we move beyond the realm of faith, beyond the realm of, of acting in freedom as best we can according to conscience, then we're no longer acting in faith. In fact, we're acting in, in fear, right? So the person who uh, is uncomfortable eating the meat that is sold in the butcher shops of Corinth ought not eat it because in faith, he or she recognizes God has given them a conscience and they are not at ease with this. And so they ought not eat it out of fear that others will judge them if they do. But then they also not make, uh, not make that a sign of their um, standing before God or their superiority to their brother or sister by doing so. So and in the I, end, this is about life and faith. And I'll let you go wherever yeah, you want to go that, Mike. You know, when we talk, for St. Paul in Corinth in Galatia and now in Rome, a lot of it has to do with food, but our all other circumcision, other Old Testament kind of things. And we try to bring this to our students. Kind of, kind of probably maybe the best way to bring it to our students is, you know, uh, will you go to, will you eat Chick-fil-A? Right? Um, if you're, if, if you are a person. Are you asking me? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, if you believe that that company, you know, it, we see this played out outside of the church, right? So some people are going to boycott Chick-fil-A for whatever reason. And then should the Christian then only eat Chick-fil-A for this reason kind of thing. So we'll, we'll do this where we'll say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to that restaurant or I'm not going to support that company. Maybe I'm not, I'm not going to even support that. I'm guessing for politician. Our, our base of listeners. Picking Chick-fil-A was not the best choice, Mike. No, but but 
to see that this is played out in other right. But you're not anti-Chick-fil-A. No, okay. it's a great chicken. But I'll tell you right now, I don't care what their political stance is. I'm going to eat their chicken because it's good chicken. What I'm saying is that there may be some people who are going to say, I don't, I'm not going to support that company because I don't believe in their stance, yeah, whether it be like a that. political stance or whatever. Like, I've been trying to buy on a books rather than Amazon a little bit, I'll admit. So I do this too, just because I think, you know, Amazon's kind of maybe a little bit too big and maybe not always as ethical as Bezos wants us to think that it is, right? That kind of thing. But I can't go to you and say, you are a terrible, probably not even Christian, if you support Amazon. Right. No, there's other reasons for you to think that. Right. Right. So we, what I, my, the point I'm making right here is this is not just some antiquated problem from the Mediterranean world of the first right. century. This is played out in everyday life. And when we do it... Can a Christian what, do yoga? Yeah, when we do it, we tend to fall into the self-justification camp very often on both sides. And this is true, not of Christians, this is true of humanity, right? So, in fact, Christians should be the ones who should be more forgiving, more free, more open up to, hey, eat where you want, buy your books where you want kind of thing, because they understand freedom. And I think this is getting played out in our society right now, where uh, the cancel culture, right. virtue signal, Twitter all that has kind of become a, all of that. a church, yeah. There is, there's no mechanism for forgiveness in that worldview. And so there's then it's going to point the finger at every single company and every single person who goes to those companies to the point where I don't think you should be a consumer at all because everything that you're going to do is going to have some negative ramification on somebody, whether it be environmentally or economically. And so it becomes, <clears throat> you notice that I think you and I look at our world and we don't say, oh my goodness, it's so immoral. Uh, the world's going to a hell in a handbasket. We look at it and say, it is hyper-moral, and that is even more dangerous because there's no mechanism the morality, for forgiveness. Yeah. There's no sense of freedom. There's no real sense of love. It is a self-justification avenue. My moral indignation, I'm just trying to make my moral indignation superior than yours. And uh, that, that, what, that maybe is what ruins a society more than anything else. Yeah, so I think, uh, what are we at time-wise, Mike? You got the thing. 34. Well, that is not bad. So notice, once again, um, it comes back to Paul living in faith, not living in fear or in self-justification. The just shall live by faith. And so that we understand in matters in which there's freedom, there will be some who think it's wise to exercise that freedom in specific areas, others who think it's unwise. There will be strong consciences, if we can speak of that, or weak consciences. But at the end of the day, we're in this together. Um, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're supposed to be concerned with mutual upbuilding. And at the end of the day, through faith, we are um, approved by God. We, uh, we have justification. We are acceptable to him. And so we ought not create any, any um, new and unnecessary standards for that or for our acceptability to others. Uh, all in the church ought to be acceptable to each other because through faith they are acceptable to God. And so with that, we will uh, take leave here of chapter 14. I don't know if Mike and I, um, we might not pick up with 15 and 16 right away or in a podcast session. We'll see how recording today goes. I know we've got a few 105s that we want to do, but I do hope, students, you're getting something out of these conversations. Um, 
I will be doing videos too, but the videos is just me talking and I'm nothing to look at for 35 minutes. Uh, you know that already from, from class. And uh, this gives at least a little bit back and forth and discussion. Um, I, I hope your, your break is going well. I hope you're enjoying whatever you're eating and whatever days you're observing um, and your, your rooms, whether they're carpeted or uncarpeted. I hope you're not eating dog. I don't care if you're eating Chick-fil-A. Um, but in the meanwhile, through faith, uh, wherever we're at on different matters where there's freedom, uh, I hope we all together in, in the confidence that Christ has given himself for us and loves us and therefore um, loves our brothers and sisters as well that we all together can uh, let the bird fly.